You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. It's Tuesday, October 23rd, 2012. Canine Nation is a regular feature column that runs on the Life is a Human online magazine. Life is a Human features articles about what it means to be human, the good, the bad, and the enlightening. This column explores what it means to be human in our relationship with dogs. You can find it at lifeisahuman.com. To get directly to Canine Nation, go to caninenation.lifeisahuman.com. A complete archive of all the Canine Nation articles can be found there. Hi, I'm Eric Brad. Canine Nation is about learning, understanding, and living successfully with our dogs. Modern animal training techniques based on behavioral science can produce amazing results in working with our dogs. Whether your dog is a loved family member or a working dog, a canine athlete, or a trusted companion, positive training techniques based on science can help you enjoy a more productive and fun relationship with your dog. Join us as we explore the many facets of living with our dogs and taking a fresh look at how we work with them. Whether it's taking a closer look at everyday issues we share with our dogs or busting long-standing myths about training and dog behavior, I hope you find something useful in each of the Canine Nation articles. We're glad you're with us. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Is the coast clear? Are you sure they went to Petco? Where else would they go? Oopsie. Calm down. I smell presents. (gasps) Go to PetcoDeals.com and get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off hundreds of holiday items at Petco. That's PetcoDeals.com. Go now. Uh Uh-oh, step on it. Okay. Not on my tail. (laughs) Petco, where the pets go. Dyson. The new Dyson Animal Backs are powerful bagless upright vacuums for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. To order your Dyson Animal Vac, go to DysonDeals.com. DysonDeals.com to order your Dyson Animal Vac today. Dyson. Music to your ears. Having a rough day? Longing for the dog days of summer? Think your fun furry friend lives a dog's life? Well, find out everything you're begging to know as Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with pet expert and award-winning author Liz Palaika. Every dog has his day, and you'll find out how to make your dog's day fun and rewarding every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. PetLifeRadio.com Dog Science Behavioral Backlash Behavioral science has been around for a long time. Studies of behavior and learning in animals date back to Edward Thorndike in the late 1800s. And yet, even with the tremendous body of research behind it, there is still a fierce criticism of both classical and operant conditioning. 
The major criticism of the behaviorist approach is that it seems to remove free will from the equation. The suggestion that behavior can be manipulated through reinforcement and punishment seems to upset many people. This reluctance to accept the validity of behaviorism is understandable when we are talking about humans who might be offended at the suggestion that their behavior can be controlled. But why are we reluctant to see clear evidence of operant and classical conditioning in our dogs? After all, our dogs are far less sophisticated than humans in their cognitive abilities. There is some question as to whether our dogs even conceive of free will in the same way that we do. For more than 50 years, behavioral psychologist B.F. Skinner developed a theory of behavior that said that the consequences of a behavior would determine whether or not an organism would be more or less likely to perform that behavior again. It is a theory that, on its face, seems like a pretty mechanistic description of behavior and the motivation behind it. It would seem that all one has to do to get someone to do something, or to not do something, would be to provide the right consequence in order to get the behavior that they wanted. In other words, push the right button and you get the right result. While it might seem offensive to think that humans might be so easily manipulated, consider that the entire industries of advertising and marketing are based on the central premise of Skinner's work. Is our behavior being manipulated by advertising and marketing every day? Those who think so are spending a lot of money trying to influence our behavior. There is a lot of experimental evidence from the behavior of many species, including humans, to suggest that behavioral modification works exactly as Skinner claimed. But advertisers and marketers haven't figured it all out yet. No one has found that perfect combination to get everyone to buy the same idea or product at the same time and to the same degree. So it's not a perfect science, right? Well, that depends on how you look at it. Behavioral science never intended to treat us all as machines. There is a very important aspect to behavioral science that somehow gets missed in most casual discussions. In order to provide a rewarding or punishing consequence, you need to know what the subject you are working with does and doesn't like. What might be considered a reward or a punishment can vary widely from one individual to the next. A bit of fried octopus might be terribly unappetizing to one person and be considered a delicious delicacy by another person. And that is where the magic of behavioral science really lies. Our individuality, or free will, is not defined by what we choose to do or not do. It is instead defined by what we like and what we don't like. To me, the laws of behavior as defined by Skinner, Pavlov, and others are as simple and easy to accept as Newton's laws of motion. They just work. We have evidence of their operation around us all day, every day, on any of tens of thousands of species. I don't think that diminishes us either as individuals or as a species. What makes us all unique is the incredible variety of what a person might find pleasant reinforcing, or unpleasant, aversive. That constellation of our literally thousands of preferences is what makes each of us unique and different. It's the same with our dogs. Many years ago, working with my 10-week-old tiramisu, I had to discover what would motivate her if I was going to use positive reinforcement in her training. I found very quickly that she loved food. Seemingly, she loved all kinds of food, but she showed a distinct preference for moist treats that had a very smoky aroma. 
She also liked cheese. Dry treats were not her preference, and play or physical interaction was not as motivating to her as food. I also found out how long she liked to work, what she preferred to do when I gave her a break from training, how she valued free time to roam around and just discover, and how much she liked to be out in the backyard. All of these things and much more made up the personality of Tiramisu, a unique dog unlike any other. My ability to use moist, smoky-flavored treats in training to get her to learn certain behaviors did not take away from her free will or ability to choose. It was up to her to choose if working with me was worth the reward I was offering. All I was really doing was stacking the odds in my favor. This is hardly like the push-button world that we are warned about by critics of behavioral science. We have owned dogs for more than twenty years now. Not until I trained Tiramisu did I ever have the understanding of my dogs the way I understand them now. I believe that it is behavioral science and using positive reinforcement training that has allowed me to develop such a deep understanding and rapport with my dogs. The very nature of positive reinforcement training requires me to learn as much as I can about what my dog finds rewarding, so that I can use those things to reinforce the behaviors I want. Similarly, I am also encouraged to watch for signs of what my dog might find unpleasant. Knowing what my dog would prefer to avoid is important for two reasons. First, I can use those unpleasant consequences to decrease behaviors I don't want to see in my dog. But perhaps more importantly, I can learn to avoid those things in my training process, so that my dog's experience in working with me is as enjoyable for her as possible. I want my dog to work with me because it's fun, rewarding, and mostly free of unpleasant consequences. She works with me because she wants to. It's her choice. She does it of her own free will. By the time Tiramisu was a year old, I had learned to observe her closely and learn her likes and dislikes. It was the first time in my life I had ever developed that kind of close relationship with a dog, and it was amazing to know when your dog is frustrated, tired, exhilarated, silly, sad, or content goes so much deeper than just being able to see if she's in pain or not getting into trouble. What a blessing to know another being so well. And to feel so connected, something that has always struck me about critics of behavioral science is that many of them have never actually used it or learned all that much about it. They read the papers and the textbooks, and they critique in excruciating detail the problems with behavioral science and the dangerous moral ground that they believe it stands on. I have seen very few negative responses to behavioral training from people who've learned to use it well and then found it lacking. I should note that any form of training, if done badly, will produce bad results and can be criticized. I think it's easy to dismiss behavioral science by oversimplifying it. If we focus on the main attribute of changing behavior through prescribed methodology, it can be easy to say we are ruling out the element of choice and finding it to be an incomplete solution. But if we look at the whole of behavioral science, we soon realize that one cannot leave out consideration of the kaleidoscope of preferences that make up our subject, our trainee. If we focus instead on a deep understanding of the likes and dislikes of the dog whose behavior we are trying to change, the experience immediately becomes intensely personal. The beauty of training using behavioral science is not in the fact that it works. 
Newton's laws of motion just work too. The beauty lies in our ability to get to know each dog as an individual. We get to work with them as individuals. Each dog is different and unique, and we get to see and appreciate all of their wonderful qualities. Every time I get to work with a dog, I get to learn about that dog's personality. I get to see who they are and see what they will choose. And I have never found anything as satisfying or uniquely human as that. Until next time, have fun with your dogs. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Canine Nation. You can find the text version of it at caninenation.lifeisahuman.com. The new Canine Nation ebook, Dogs as They Are, is a collection of essays from the Life as a Human online magazine. Each essay now includes author's notes, and the book includes all new introduction and epilogue essays. You can get Dogs as They Are from the new Canine Nation store. Just go to caninenation.ca forward slash store. We offer Kindle, EPUB, and PDF versions. Or you can click on the store from the menu at the top of the Canine Nation website. Dogs as They Are is also available from most online booksellers, such as Amazon, Kobo.com, and Booktango.com. And it will be coming to other online booksellers, like the Apple iTunes Store, very soon. Just search for Dogs as They Are. It's a great read and only $2.99. You can join our discussion about dogs and dog training on Facebook. Just search for Canine Nation to get to our group. You can ask for membership and we'll add you to our growing family. If you can spread the word about the podcast or link to our caninenation.lifeisahuman.com page, we would certainly appreciate it. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.